0: We're moving through the book of Genesis as a church. We have come to Genesis chapter 4 and 5. And so we're going to cover those uh, this morning, Lord willing. And I'm not worried because the clock is out in the back. So I'm just going to go until you're so hungry that you really want those baked potatoes that we have across the street. When the kids were growing up, their mother would sometimes say this phrase to them, you act just like your father. That sentence was typically not a good sign for them. Uh, It meant that they were behaving like me, but not the good me that you see up here, okay? They were typically doing something that they shouldn't be. And my point being is that sometimes you can tell who someone's parents are Just because you act like them, just because you act like them, you share their character. You share their character traits. And I believe that Genesis 4 and 5 are in our Bibles for that very reason. When God pronounced judgment upon the serpent in chapter 3, verse 15, we read this. God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. At first glance, we might think, "Okay, I get whose offspring the woman will be. That would be all humans, but whose offspring will be the serpent's offspring? And in reality, all people are going to descend from Adam and Eve. But some will act like the serpent, while others, the offspring of the woman. And they will maintain, or or they will make a priority of living in the image of God in which they were created. And of the offspring of the woman then, eventually there would come a promised one, who will bruise the head of the serpent. And so there's this longing for and looking forward to a child that would be born of a woman that would be the one who would crush the serpent's head. So I want you to see this morning that in Genesis 4 and 5, the children of the woman and the children of the serpent are revealed by their character traits. They are revealed by their character traits. Now, uh, as we see the revealing of the serpent's children and the woman's uh, children here, and I want to be clear, Satan doesn't have physical children, right? These, these are all going to be born of Adam and Eve. But as we, as we read this, it's important to see that the original audience that would read Genesis would be the Israelites that were traveling From Egypt to the Promised Land. That's when Genesis was written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Pentateuch was given to them in their travels. And it's important because they would have at least heard what Jesus later said was the greatest and the second greatest commandments. What's the first great commandment? You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and all your being, right? And then what's the second one Jesus said? Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two great commandments. And the people hearing uh, uh, the book of Genesis and reading the book of Genesis would have known of these two commands. They would have at least heard them. So that's going to be important as we begin to read this account, especially of Cain. Also, as we read this passage, I want you to note the difference between how the two sons are described by Eve, and then also notice how their offerings are described. Those are some key points for us. All right, with that in mind, let's read Genesis chapter 4. Let's start with verses 1 through 7. I'll, start after, I'll stop after verse 2 and just make a comment. But Genesis 4, starting in verse 1. Now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have begotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel, his name means breath or vapor, but she doesn't say anything about him. It's kind of like Eve is very excited when Cain is born, as she anticipates that maybe This is the offspring that's going to undo what her and Adam did at the fall. Maybe Cain will be the one that crushes the serpent's head. But then she has a muted response to her second son, as if the realization has hit her that it may be a while before the promised offspring arrives. So we continue to read. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Note the difference between the two offerings. Abel gives to the Lord his best, the firstborn of his flock and the fat thereof. The fat ones are the healthy ones, the ones that are are, uh, very strong Abel gives the Lord his best. Cain keeps back the best for himself, and the Lord gets second best, or maybe worse. Cain may have, Cain may have said, well, I've got some of this fruit here that's spoiling. Uh, that's not any good for trade. Let's just give it to the Lord. He keeps back the best for himself. The book of Hebrews reveals to us Abel's faith here in Hebrews 11:4 it says by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith though he died he still speaks You see it takes faith to offer your best to the Lord It takes faith to offer the best of your finances and of your time to the Lord. You will see when you do these things, you will see your friends and you'll wonder how they can afford this and that and the other thing. And boy, there are things that we would like to have as a family that maybe we can't have because we're offering to the Lord the first fruits of our finances or we maybe not have time to do all the different things as extracurricular activities in our lives and vacations in our lives because we want to be here on Sunday, and we want to worship the Lord with our time, and we want to serve the Lord, and we want to teach in the church maybe or serve and help in the church. All these different things that are sacrifices of your time that you offer up to the Lord, and it takes faith, to know that despite giving away your best, you're going to be okay. God will provide for you. We see Jesus repeat this principle in Matthew 6, verse 33, after he's talked about uh, how the Gentiles or, or the unsaved people worry about food and clothing in their lives. He makes this statement in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And all these things will be added to you. It's as if, or it's not as if, it's God's promise to you that if you seek his kingdom first, you put him first in your life, and you put righteousness following him first in your life, he'll make sure you're fed and clothed. Don't make that the priority of your life. Don't make things the priority of your life. Focusing your life on the Lord reveals your love for Him, the first and greatest commandment. But keeping back your best for yourself or for your family or for anyone or anything else reveals that the Lord does not have your primary love. This is sin. In Genesis 4 7, note what it says. The Lord says to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Sin desires to rule Cain. It's the same phraseology that we had with Eve when it said that her desire will be to rule over her husband, but he will dominate her, that that fall of sin that where men are stronger than women and, and women desire to, to, to manipulate and, and men are forceful. It's just this terrible thing. And that's we talked about that in previous sermons if you want to go back and listen to those. But it's the same thing here. Sin is desiring to rule Cain's life. Sin will enslave you, just like it did Cain. But Cain hears these words from the Lord, and he is unrepentant. Notice verses 8 through 16, Genesis 4, 8 through 16. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground. This is the third time curse is used in Genesis. The first time upon the ground because of Adam's sin. The second time upon Satan. And now we hear it given to the offspring of Satan. Cain is being revealed as the offspring of Satan. As he is now cursed. You are now cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain's lack of love for the Lord is further expressed by his hatred for his brother. Cain has now broken the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. You see on your handout there, 1 John 3, verse 11, the Apostle John picks up on this story, and he recognizes it as what it is. It is God revealing to us who the woman's seed would be and who the serpent's seed would be and that constant battle that would be between them. 1 John three eleven. for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of who? The evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. You see, his own deeds, his holding back the offering, that was evil. Verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, abide, does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. The children of God and the children of the serpent are revealed by their character traits. And again, the Apostle John, if you'll remember when we went through 1 John, there were three tests do you believe the uh, truth as given by the apostles about the gospel? That was the truth test. Then there was the obedience test. Are you becoming more holy because of your following the Lord? And then the third test was the love test. Are you loving people that you wouldn't normally love? People of different socioeconomic backgrounds, different races, different uh, different upbringings. You see, here we're... people of God. And we love one another. Cain withheld the best of the fruit of the ground for himself. His judgment is that he is cursed from the ground. It is noteworthy that Cain is cursed like Satan was in Genesis 3.14. You see, you will be judged with your spiritual father. You will be judged with your spiritual father. Matthew 25 verse 41, Jesus says this, Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, but his children will join him. Whose child are you this morning? Your character traits reveal who your true spiritual father is. And then we're told Cain moves away from the presence of the Lord to the east. We've seen that eastward is a bad direction in the Bible. We must go westward if we're to go towards God. That's just some literary features of the Bible. Then in verses 17 through 24, we see the serpent's offspring further characterized. We see the offspring further characterized. So verse 17, Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other, Zillah. Adah bore Jabel. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's, Is 77 fold. (coughs) What characteristics do we see here about the serpent's offspring in this passage? Well, primarily we see independence from and disregard for the Lord. Disregarding the Lord's command to bring the earth under his dominion, Cain goes out and is concerned about his own legacy, naming the city that he founds after his son. Disregarding the Lord's design for, for marriage, Lamech takes two wives, in verse 19. Misrepresenting the Lord's justice, Lamech kills a young man just for wounding him. This type of injustice will require the Lord to stop revenge and place limits on justice by instituting eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You will hear that now, it's, it's become so colloquial that we that people tend to think that eye for an eye means that we're to take revenge. It's actually limiting justice. In other words, if I slap Barry, he can't be like Lamech and then kill me, right? That's too much, be slap for slap. If I take his eye out, he can take my eye as justice, but no more. We're stopping it, eye for an eye. But Lamech has a disregard for justice. And then Lamech presumptuously turns the Lord's grace towards Cain into something he believes is owed to him in verse 24. You see, it was God's mercy and grace upon Cain that he let him live. But Lamech sees that as something owed. It's not grace, it's owed to him. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. I'm more deserving Of the Lord's grace, which is crazy because grace is not earned. We see Lamech's sons here. They concern themselves with improving their comfort and pleasure. They invent tents and music and then tools. It's been said necessity is the mother of invention, but the reality is the mother of invention is a desire for ease and pleasure. I want this to be easier. Now, I'm not saying that these developments and their inventions were wrong in and of themselves. What I'm saying is that the pursuit of pleasure and comfort and industry in disregard for the Lord is wrong. So those are further characteristics of the serpent seed. But now we see in verses 25 and 26 new hope for the woman's offspring. It says in verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. I would put it this way, when, when Eve had another son, it was kind of like this, uh, well, it turns out Cain wasn't the promised one. He murdered his brother. But there is new hope here. And we're told that at this time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Note that they are relying on the Lord. Their primary focus is the Lord. They love the Lord primarily. And then we see the woman's offspring further characterized. What time is it? Somebody give me the time. 11.32, okay. So we'll move through these. I also want to just note, do not assume that I am pronouncing these names correctly. I'm just acting like I know how to pronounce them. So let's go. We see the, the, the promise to Adam and Eve, the blessing, is reiterated here in this passage. And then it moves through the lineage of Genesis. Let's just read this through to verse 24, and then we'll make some observations. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Adam that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Only 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now the pattern suddenly goes from, and he died, and he died. We have six times, and he died. It's suddenly broken here with Enoch. While death reigns because of sin, its reign is not absolute. God can overrule it. We are told Enoch walked with God. One commentator said this, To walk with God is to live a life in obedience and fellowship with God. To live a life in obedience and fellowship with God. Loving God and loving the things of God and the commands of God. See, there is hope for being in God's presence. Death is not the end. Here we have this early uh, hint at a resurrection that death is not the end. Then let's continue to read through verse 32. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying out of the ground that the Lord is cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the long length of lives, let me just say this, I believe prior to the flood and closer to creation, we had a more ideal environment upon the earth, and so men and women lived much greater, longer lives. After the flood, we see a a change in the lifespans. We don't know exactly what caused that. Uh, whether it was the introduction of viruses or whether it was more sun because of a change of environment. We just don't know. But we will see after the flood, human lives drop, length of life drops significantly. Lamech here names his son Noah, which sounds like the Hebrew word for rest. Lamech has the hope that Noah will be the promised offspring that will reverse the curse on the earth and bring God's eternal Sabbath that they're looking for. Now, we know that Jesus is the promised offspring of the woman. In Hebrews 12.24, we find Abel's blood contrasted with Jesus' blood in Hebrews 12.24. He says, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. ESV Study Bible says this: the blood of Abel cries out a curse for vengeance, but Jesus' blood brings forgiveness and atonement. The promised offspring of the woman came, and he brought the privilege of being called the sons of God. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, But To all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. You see, true children of God recognize Jesus as their Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's the true king of this universe. We see this recognition of Jesus as Lord being important in John chapter 8, verses 38 through 47. We're going to see the Pharisees coming along saying, Hey, we have Abraham as our father. And Jesus is going to say, No, no. Actually, your father is Satan. And they're going to say, Well, we know who our father is. You're the father of an illegitimate relationship because Jesus, uh, Mary became pregnant with Jesus before... They were married, right? It was in that betrothal period. So we see some really harsh argumentation going on here. But let's read John chapter 8, verses 38 through 47, where we hear Jesus say, I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. True children of God obey God's words resulting in holiness, and then they love their fellow brethren. And we had that passage in 1 John 3, 11, we, or 11 through 18. We won't read all that again, but let's drop in at 1 John 3, verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother's. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, those who have been born again love those who have been born again. Your spiritual father is revealed by what you live for, or rather, who you live for. The children of God and the children of the serpent are revealed by their character traits, and I've given you there on your handout the contrasting character traits of the woman's offspring in the Old Testament versus the New Testament children of God. The seed of the whim of the woman, or the offspring of the woman, displayed their love for the Lord by offering the best of their time and resources to the Lord in his kingdom. We do the same in Matthew 6:33. We prioritize his kingdom and his righteousness in our lives. The woman's Old Testament offspring loved their neighbors in contrast to what Cain did. We just read where we are to sacrificially love our brethren and commit to help them walk in righteousness. That's why we have church membership where we commit to one another to help one another grow in righteousness. The woman's offspring looked for the coming of the promised offspring. We as living after the cross, know the offspring came, but what are we looking for? His return. His return. We look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. The woman's Old Testament offspring, like Enoch, walked with the Lord in obedience and fellowship. The New Testament children of God follow Jesus together. It's kind of the tagline we use for Faith Baptist Church. Following Jesus together. We're helping one another. We're restoring one another We're loving one another as we follow our Savior. Then we see the woman's Old Testament offspring longed for the new creation Sabbath when all things are made new, and we do the same. Your spiritual father is revealed by what you live for, or rather who you live for. We see the serpent's offspring, the characteristics that were revealed in chapter 4 of Genesis. They reveal their love for self over the Lord by withholding their best for themselves. Now notice, this was in their worship to the Lord, right? I mean, if you were to talk to Cain, he'd say, well, yeah, I worship the Lord. I just kind of do it my way, right? I don't do it like everybody else. They reveal their hatred of others by how they treat their neighbors. They're more concerned about their legacy than the Lord's kingdom, They disregard God's word concerning what's best for life and for marriage. And beloved, we're we're coming up. It's not going to be long. We're going to have the the pride month and that type of thing coming at you. Listen, there are going to be people who say that they're Christians and they live in, in reprobate lifestyles. Beloved, the best way is God's way. And rather that's living in It's one man, one woman, one lifetime, saving sex for marriage. That's the best way. That's the way. Don't believe the lies of Satan. If somebody's out there trying to build their own kingdom, and they say they're doing it for the Lord, don't believe them. Characteristics. If they're treating other people unjustly, they're revealing that their father is truly Satan. When they think they are owed things that are really God's gifts, they're revealing that their father is Satan. When they focus on the culture and an easy life and getting along with other people and they, they fear men more than they fear God, well, then that means they love men more than they love God. And Beloved, the children of God love Him primarily. Your spiritual father is revealed by what you live for. Or rather, who you live for. Who is your spiritual father this morning? As we've went through this, if you you see these characteristics, and more characteristics point to the fact that Satan is your spiritual father, I urge you this morning, repent of your sins, trust Christ as your Savior, and follow him with your life. That's the way of salvation. And if you're here this morning and you are a born-again believer, but you see that maybe there's a few of these things where you're not following well, repent of those things and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and help others to follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to look into your word and to to see laid out for us the early stages of this battle between Satan and and his offspring and you and your offspring. A battle that continues to rage even into our day. I pray, Father, may we represent you well in this world. And Father, may we suffer injustice well as Christ did. That you may be glorified because we know that you don't win battles by the world's methods. but you win them incredibly through injustice the greatest of which was the injustice of Christ on the cross and how you turned that injustice into our salvation as we are now judged with our King Father I pray that you will be glorified Father I pray that you will also bless our time of fellowship and the food that we partake in I pray Father that uh, we will Raise the funds that are needed to see our teens go off to camp. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.